Hi. Today is July 25th as we record yet another episode of the Hugo Floss podcast. It's raining where Nancy is, so if you can't hear her over the uh, the pitter-patter of raindrops, turn it up. Hi, Nancy. How's it going? Hi, Dan. Well, it's going good. You know, I don't have to repeat this. I'm sure most people are aware that we're in a drought, and the best way to uh, solve that problem, as even though we need more rain than we're getting, is to have uh, rain. And we're in a flash flood warning right now. We have been for three days. So I'm welcoming the rain. Um, not my favorite thing to go out in, but it's more important to get water. Phoenix is running low on water, as is Las Vegas. And we all know that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah we're... <clears throat> I, I don't know if Phoenix gets all their water from Lake Mead, but certainly Arizona is in on the the water rights agreements. Well, they get a lot of runoff in uh, the high country. So I don't know if Arizona gets water from Lake Mead, but they're in the water rights uh, agreement with California and Nevada, Utah, Colorado, probably. Mm -hmm. But Southern Nevada gets like almost all of their water, if not all of their water from Lake Mead. And yeah, so Nevada's in a, luckily we've, we've got record people. I think they said 40,000 people moved into the Las Vegas area. Well, maybe they should tell these people you're only allowed to flush once and don't water your lawn and don't waste water. Otherwise, you can't live here. That is one shower unlikely. a week. That would help too. Yeah. No, I, I don't think I, well, I lived in Phoenix for a while. And um, how often do we see people watering the sidewalk, hosing down the driveway? Uh, you know, swimming pools are a massive waste of water. So there's just a, hey, I'm, I have water. Why do I have to worry about it? And of course, the Central Arizona Project makes sure that Maricopa County, where all the voters are, has plenty of water. But if yeah. you're a farmer or a rancher in the surrounding counties, then good luck. I don't see too many people washing their driveways anymore, but there is a lot of people who put in grass and then their sprinklers go on every day. And if they would go with Xeroscape or um, uh, vegetation that doesn't need as much water, they'd be better off. I'm not saying not to have any trees because that tends to uh, cool your house a little bit. You know, so everything is uh, kind of connected. But we don't really need grass. I think they do it because... Number one, the golf courses need grass. And then when the tourists come in, they go, wow, I thought this was a desert, but look at all this greenery. Yeah, and that takes a lot of water to keep it pretty. So Now, if you, <clears throat> if you look at the golf course watering, irrigation, they tend to use what's called impotable water, which uh, if you ever, I'm sure you've come across purple pipes in your travels. Yeah, I'm hoping that they do use that. Mm -hmm. So impotable is treated, but not... Um, Drinkable. Not clean for drinking, right? So... Theoretically, the sprinkler should be shooting cleaned, but not drinkable, impotable water. And, uh, you know, that's where you, here in, uh, <clears throat> here, so here in Vegas, um, I don't know if the Bellagio uses impotable water. I, I would hope so for the water show. Oh, yeah. So, so hopefully, but I know in Nevada, <clears throat> whenever there's a water, <clears throat> pardon me. Whenever there's Allergies a water are show, bad today, right, Dan? <clears throat> yeah, they're they're horrible. So whenever there's a <clears throat> whenever there's a water show on the strip, or whenever there's a, anything having to do with water, people could say, "Well, that's a tremendous waste of water. How come they get to waste water?" But so what they do actually looked at this, and I'm assuming that Arizona does something similar. Whenever there's a water uh, <clears throat> park, I think Oasis Water Park in somewhere in Phoenix, they measure the usage of that particular location, like the square footage or the area of the the uh, place, they look at the water usage, including evaporation and all that, <clears throat> as equivalent to residential use. And so as long as it doesn't exceed residential use for an equivalent size plot or parcel, then you're, you're within the limits of the environmental impact of that water park. So they do all that stuff here in Nevada, and they're very uh, picky about it. So whenever people complain, you can actually just say, well, they've they actually have to do the math because we don't have water to waste and they uh, keep it to equivalent to residential mm. use. 
So not to say that people shouldn't be using less, that residential use should be dropped down to, uh, you know, drought, yeah. <laughs> drought levels. Yeah, right. You don't have to run that washing machine for two items, or you don't have to take two showers a day. Uh, years ago, they used to fill the bathtub at night, and the older people took the bath first, and then it same bath water, and it trickled down to the youngest people. Can you imagine? Uh, that was to save water. Uh, so thank God they don't do that anymore. But there is now, a, if go ahead. It, you could have a home water filtration system that would like a pool, like a pool cleaner, right? So you could have, you could reuse your bath water if you ran it through like a, the equivalent of a swimming pool cleaning system. And it wouldn't be that much, a small amount of water, right? A couple, how many, how many gallons are in a typical bathtub? 50? Oh yeah, that sounds good. So 50 gallons through a, through a pump and a filter, you ended up with almost brand new water. So you could reuse bath water. <laughs> it, it would still be impotable. <laughs> Bath, uh, from the faucet, all of your home's water is potable. Mm -hmm. So, but that would be impotable at that point, but uh, could be done. Yeah. You know, they put so much emphasis on the low volume uh, toilets. They use 1.6 gallons to flush. But think about it. Uh, you can have, and they don't sell the toilets that aren't restricted by using 1.6 gallons. But the showers, and I know they have restrictive shower heads, um, which you can bypass. But depending, you can take a shower and be in there for a half hour. I mean, there are people who do that, and they don't think about water usage. So as long as they have that good old toilet that's not using a lot of water, they figure, well, then I can take longer showers. Um, and here's the irony. the Your local electric company may have... Uh had you install, or maybe they just installed one for you, a smart meter. So they can measure your electric usage remotely. And in some cases, <clears throat> this was started back in the Enron days mm -hmm. so that they could, that they could throttle your usage by adjusting your, your thermostat or whatever. So they really wanted to have a home where all of its electricity consumption could be controlled from the home office, but they don't do that with water. You would think that the uh, Per, per residence water caps would be useful, right? Like, oh, you watered your driveway and your lawn, so that's it. That you don't get any more water till tomorrow. Yeah, that, but instead yeah. they rely on, you know, don't water on Thursdays. So. Yeah, and so far we haven't had that restriction. I think that they said that last year. But strangely, we can make more electricity. We can't make more water. I know, you know, you would become a billionaire if you could figure out how to make more water. And by the way, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I'm obeying the laws of thermodynamics when I say that. So, um, well, you can make water, you can mix hydrogen and oxygen and you get water or you can, uh, you know, anybody who saw the Martian movie with uh, Matt Damon, he makes water from hydrazine and, uh, oxygen, right? Mm -hmm. You just get rid of the, the other stuff. You get, you keep the hydrogen and you combine it with oxygen and rain. So it's not, it's not impossible, but it's not an easy reaction. Whereas electricity, you just, you know, generators. And if there was water in our dam here, we would have hydroelectric. Yeah. So there's, we have all kinds of ways to make electricity or to, you know, generate electricity. And uh, we don't have that for water. Interesting. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. They haven't outlawed the RO system. I was just going to look it up. I can't remember how many gallons goes through that RO tank to produce one gallon of drinking water. Why would, I mean, to me, that seems like a waste. Matter of fact, that's a, a selling point against RO systems. Um, so usually a filtration at the uh, kitchen faucet works better and is uh, not wasting water. Yeah, I, although it's, it's kind of interesting if you uh, waste, so if you water your driveway or you reverse osmosize your water or you know you have a swimming pool all that water evaporates into the air and then it gets rained somewhere and all that stuff so aside from the fact that it doesn't necessarily get back to where you you like it's not a loop mm -hmm. that goes back to you like you don't get that water back it goes somewhere else and it takes time to do it but it is very difficult i think to waste water um 
in in a in the large ecology that we live in, right? The ecosystem includes water recycling because it evaporates and rains and flows and it melts and it freezes and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's just a question of it being available when you need it. Like the all the water that was in Lake Mead, it didn't disappear. It's somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I just looked this up. This is interesting. Depending on your RO system, um, age of the system and the quality and type, you can use uh, between three and 25 gallons of water to get one gallon of RO water. That is a total waste. Uh, so to the people who have RO systems or to those people who sell the RO systems, uh, they're wasting a lot of water switch over to a filtration system. Yeah, that's my two cents for the day. Hmm. So what so have, what have you somewhere. done this what have you done this week other than um, probably take your daily walk? We know that you found a, a new place to live and that will happen in a couple of months. Um, what other interesting things have you done this week? Well, um, I do, <clears throat> I go to a gym also. I try to go late at night when it's kind of dead, kind of empty. And so probably around midnight, 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m., probably fewer than 20 people in the whole place. And it's, it's, it's a big place. <clears throat> so that keeps the, keeps the interaction with potentially sick people down. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I do. I try to walk during the day, just get outside. Otherwise, I basically stay home and try to avoid people because uh, Nevada, specifically Las Vegas, is one of the hottest of the hot spots. Yes, it is. But people are enjoying those casinos. And when they say hotspot, it's uh, it's like per population size and percentage of test positivity because uh, Texas, Florida, and somewhere else, Mississippi, Missouri, have... Uh, make up a, the 40%, I think, is of the, um, of the current case load across the country. So those are kind of the epicenters. But as far as rate of increase, we Nevada is doing really well. So, And those are the, the interesting thing, and I know I harp on this every week, but <clears throat> the interesting thing is that our test positivity numbers are for people who live here. But if we have hundreds of thousands of people traveling through to be hanging out on the, the strip and whatnot, um, if you assume that, well, we have a uh, 14%, I think, uh, test positivity in Southern, uh, Southern Nevada. So 14% of the tourists end up getting infected. That's 30,000 people say. How many people are coming to Vegas now, now that the, the casinos are open? What is your typical, uh, number of, uh, tourists hitting Las Vegas per week? I have seen numbers in the 300,000 range. That's where I, that's where I picked that 30,000. Uh, the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, LVC, LVCBA, yeah. They, they publish statistics for year over year, month over month, and you can figure out how many tourists are coming from where and all that, but they have not been publishing that data since, um, I think the last really current data is for 2019. <clears throat> they were they were doing some minor reporting, but they don't have the full stats up on their website. Mm -hmm. So who knows? But I've heard like McCarran is, has had many tens of thousands of people on the weekends and then through the week we're having, you know, depending. Yeah, when, the, <clears throat> when, when events are going on, 4th of July was a big weekend. I know so the convention center is open and they're having a lot of events there. Yeah. So the return of Vegas is bringing Delta variant. So I don't know. It's, so I just try to stay, stay in, avoid all that. I didn't stay home for 2020 to get sick in 2021. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. <laughs> well, they're coming to Vegas. Yeah. So if you're staying home and you're going to the gym, what are you doing with your time, Dan? Uh, as you mentioned, I have to move. That was uh, unplanned. But the, the state of affairs of renting and uh, profit in Vegas, specifically with all those people moving in. So I got a notice to uh, 
we don't want to renew your lease. And I said, oh, why? No reason. <laughs> so I'm moving. Uh, I have to move out September 8th. That will be that will mark eight years so that I've lived here. And then uh, the new place I will move into is October 19th or so, also in the same area. And uh, so I have to pack. I have to purge, get rid purge, of some things. Purge, pack, sure and move, right? That's right. And then I have to uh, temporarily, <clears throat> I have to fill that gap in with uh, storage somewhere and all that. But in the meantime, um, yeah, we, you know, we, we were talking about Casanenzia earlier and we talk about that frequently. We'll see where that goes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just have, I have stuff to keep me busy inside. So no reason to go outside. And plus we're, we're going to have a heat wave this week. And when people say heat wave, they automatically assume it's like, 130 degrees, but really we're just going to be five to 10 degrees above our normals for this time of year. So it'll be monsoon plus it'll be up towards hundred degrees here. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Well, we're having heavy monsoons here last year. I don't remember getting any rain. So um, when we get the wind, which also they consider that monsoon, um, but that doesn't help us with the drought this year, we're getting hit with a lot of rain. It's really not pleasant to go out when it's uh, very hot out and the humidity is 80. Yeah, you feel like pea soup. Um, but things will get better, I'm sure, eventually. Like I said, five more months till Christmas when we have beautiful weather and then all the tourists will come to Arizona. As typical. Yes, you did. Say, but you said that before we started the show. So for those listening, the uh, that was from before. So yes, five yeah. minutes, five months. Five months from today is Christmas. And hopefully things will be a lot better by that time. But I'm, a, I'm an eternal optimist. So hmm. uh, except for things that uh, keep breaking. Um, so ask me what I did this week. Oh, Nancy, what did you do this week? Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Well, you know, I wish there was in this in this day and age of technology, an app that says, oh, your computer is going to break in two days. And so that'll give me enough time to look for a new computer. No, I'm sorry, not the computer. It was my, my copier, scanner, printer that decided to just not work. I had no warning. So I had to either get a repairman, which would cost a little bit more than half of a new one. Well, that's a no-brainer. Go buy a new um, device. I know it's it's not always as easy as it sounds, but the cost of somebody coming in to look at it and give you a diagnostic and then say, oh, I can't fix it. You still have to pay for that. Or he says, uh, well, you need this part. And so it might end up more than what the unit is worth. So I took the high road and decided to go buy a new one. I have been a Canon um, user for probably 10 years. And my complaint about that is uh, the ink is ridiculously expensive. I always said you can go after you buy your second pack of ink, you have spent more than what the, what the device is worth. So I decided to try a different one. So for people out there who are looking for a new printer, scanner, uh, copier. I've tried the brother and I sure hope that this works out because they say that there's enough ink there that will last for a year. Now I'm not running a high tech business where I make, um, I use a ream of paper a month. I don't even use that much. So we'll see. Um, I'll let you know how the brother works. So far so good. But then after I got the new device the next day my refrigerator decided not to work anymore so lo and behold when i opened up the refrigerator everything was room temperature not a good thing especially when it's hot and muggy outside and it's just like that in the refrigerator so that had to be redone serviceman came out within two hours of my calling I did call other people, left messages. This is on a Saturday, of course. You know, usually you get sick or things break on a weekend. Uh, that's always, I think they figure that out and schedule that. 
um, but this particular person actually texted me and said I could be there today in an hour. I was elated. The guy came, had the part that was broken, fixed it, and it was up and running in two hours after um, I called him. No, I would say four hours after I initially called him. And it took a while for the cold air to build up to or build down to what it's supposed to be. And everything is cool. So I want to give a shout out to the guy who came. His name is Joe Black. And um, his, the name of his company is, I believe it's Home Tech Appliance Repair. He's a one-man shop. And he's going to increase his staff because he said he's getting so busy. But well, let's talk about customer service. I did call a person who was so arrogant on the phone because I said, can you come today? And this guy shouldn't be in business. Uh, the other person was very nice, but there was no way uh, they could come before Monday. So that would give me two days of no refrigerator and you know, just being at my wits end. What am I going to do? But Joe showed up. He uh, fixed it. He said he's getting real busy. And I can see why. Because when you have good customer service, the word spreads. And I'm actually going to tell people about him and his service and recommend him. I really appreciate when people um, actually show up and they do what they say they're going to do. And they're timely and they're nice and they're, uh, they know what they're doing. Um, just as a side note, this particular guy who is 60 years old, spent 30 years as an engineer in Silicon Valley. Um, I thought that was interesting. And he did, his prices were half the price of the person who said they would come Monday. Sometimes, you know, you get what you pay for. But in this case, I got more than what I paid for. So shout out to Joe Black. Thank you. That's my scenario. That's, that was what happened yesterday. Now, I hope nothing else breaks. They say it happens in threes, and so far I'm, I've had two. So I don't really want to wait for that third one. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, earlier you said there, was, there should be an app that will tell you when things are going to break, and I was going to make a <clears throat> 2001 Space Odyssey reference, but... I don't know well, if we get that. You know, I can't say there isn't. Uh, there are smart appliances, and I know that uh, there are certain companies that will um, have the app. You have to have it on your phone, and it'll say, oh, your appliance needs service. Uh, maybe if I had, well, but my refrigerator is not smart. Actually, it's pretty stupid. Um, but if you buy appliances today, there's a lot of manufacturers that are pushing the connectivity and they're very, um, they're very well made. And uh, of course, they're energy savers, but they're also all the manufacturers are pushing the smart appliance idea. So if that saves uh, a catastrophe, if I had an app that said, hey, your refrigerator is... Uh, slowly losing uh, the, the coolness in the freezer and the refrigerator. Of course, it probably would have gone on at one o'clock in the morning and I couldn't have done anything about it anyway. So at what point are these apps useful? I don't know. I don't have one. So <clears throat> yeah, this you can do this with heat pump cooling systems for homes. If you measure the either side of the Carnot cycle and you measure the temperature difference, then you can measure the efficiency. And as efficiency drops, you approach a maintenance window. So you could do the same thing with the refrigerator, right? If the <clears throat> if the temperature inside and outside the refrigerator is not um, staying to what you've set it to, right? So if, mm -hmm. if it's not moving heat out of the refrigerator fast enough or, um, or enough, well enough, right? If it's not efficient enough, then you can look at that as a drop in efficiency, which means you are approaching a maintenance window. So that can be done right now. <clears throat> I don't know I, why people don't. I'm going to assume that this happened during the night. So even if I had an app or something that said, hey, your refrigerator is losing coolness or the cold in the freezer has just dropped down, uh, freezers are supposed to be at zero uh, Fahrenheit. 
Mine was at 64. And then the refrigerator was also at 64 and it's supposed to be at uh, somewhere right. between 30 and 40. So are you assuming that your refrigerator was 100% completely and totally functional until it failed or that it was failing? I would have noticed it um, because I'm always <clears> in the refrigerator. So before I went to bed, I would have realized that, hey, this is, you know, it's, it's not as cold as it so should if efficiency, be. So if efficiency drops, your motor might have to turn longer to drop the temperature and keep it at your set point. So you would not notice because the food is all the same temperature. The, the water is, is, tastes just as cool. Maybe it's a degree warmer, but maybe the motor had to run for twice as long to move all that heat because it's not operating efficiently. So that's an indication that your refrigerator is failing and it will fail eventually, right? So you could take that measurement. You could measure how long the motor is on, how fast uh, heat is moving from inside the refrigerator to outside through the coils in the back or on the top. So Not that, yeah. no, that's okay. how that works. That's, yeah. that's how Carnot cycle works. So if you don't do that, then it seems fine until it fails. But if you are actually instrumented, if you have the right sensors and data collection and measurement, then you'd be able to say, oh, your refrigerator is, um, it's not running as efficiently as it was a year ago. What's going on here? The motor is running longer. The temperature yeah, that's is a good idea. more slowly. Yeah. yeah. So that could be done today. Right. So I don't know why people don't do it. I don't so, know why more manufacturers don't install those sorts of sensors because yeah. it would, it would help. Well, on the good note, uh, for some reason, last week I purchased a small chest freezer uh, just because mm, the freezer with my refrigerator wasn't big enough. And I thought, well, this would be a good one to have. And it really saved me because I just took everything from the freezer and it was all mushy and warm but stuck it in the freezer and saved the food at least so that was a good thing hmm. um, maybe that was just my sixth sense or the universe telling me this would be a good time to get a chest freezer get an additional freezer so for everybody who doesn't have an additional freezer yeah and uh, think about the stuff in the refrigerator sometimes maybe it's okay if it uh, isn't as cold as it should be or as joe recommended I used the, my refrigerator as a cooler, like a, uh, oh, what do you call those uh, coolers that you bring with you to a picnic, uh, like an ice chest. And uh, I was going to get a bag of ice and he said, go get dry ice, stick it in your refrigerator. That will keep everything cool for 36 hours. And then luckily everything in the freezer went into the chest, my new chest freezer. So that worked out pretty well. But did you know that you have to give your date of birth when you purchase uh, dry ice? I did not know that. But also, you your refrigerator was repaired two hours later, so you probably could have gotten away with ice instead of dry ice. But well, I wasn't sure really if he was going to make it. You know, when was going he going to be here? Um, but there's a note on the dry ice bag that says you have to be 18 to purchase dry ice. For what reason? You can. Uh, I know you can burn yourself with dry ice. True, but you can but also if, break it. Go ahead. You can also break it up into little pieces and put it in plastic bottles, and then when you close the bottle, the dry ice will sublimate, and it will explode. How do you know so this? You we used to do that in college all the time. Oh. It was uh, you know, they're just they're they're noisemakers, right? Uh, unless you put the plastic bottle, if you, if you put water in it, then water would explode. And if you put it near a window, you could break the window. But otherwise, there were, people, there were some, of my, some of my smarter classmates would hold on to the thing while it exploded. So it's not going to like- Brilliant. Really These were college people. people? Yeah, well, you know, not everybody. There's a bell curve. But yeah, it's not, it's not like a dynamite or a, a real explosive, but it is loud. And it is um, just one of those things that, you know, People are afraid of loud noises, so they don't want people blowing stuff up. But, so typically, so yeah, good, when, for, good for making noise. Typically, when you go to college, you're at least 18 for the most part, so you can go buy dry ice. Sure. At 18, so. But but probably more interesting is that you can burn yourself if you don't know how to handle it. So. So I if you're 17, you're too stupid. But if you're 18, out, you're smart yeah. enough to use it to uh, play with. Okay. Interesting things that are going on. 
probably that there should be instead of checking your age, they should check and see if you've been vaccinated. That would be uh, <laughs> yeah, right. if you have not been vaccinated at this point. You do not need dry ice. Yeah. Have bigger so, problems. Talking about uh, vaccines, what do you think about people who are being coerced into getting the vaccine? What do you mean coerced? Um, well, there's some companies that are saying you can't work here anymore unless you get vaccinated. Yeah, that's fine. Um, remember, remember when you send your kids to school, they require vaccinations. How do you feel about that? Well, some people said, no, it's my right not to have my kids vaccinated. So what does the school say? Uh, it's still according to the school, but sure. most of them will. Well, then they can homeschool. So there's the alternative. Right. So work from home, start your own business. So why get there? There is a direct correlation between unvaccinated people and the increase in cases and hospitalizations and mortality. So it's really not rocket science. And then I read that 20% of the people who are not vaccinated feel that there's a conspiracy. 15% think that there's the vaccine has microchips in it. And 5% definitely know that there's microchips in the vaccine. What do you think about Bell that? Curve. Bell curve. So a certain percentage of the population is, is idiotic. So. Yeah, unfortunately, there are a lot of idiots in the population. There's, so. a, there's, a, uh, <clears throat> there's a flat earth society. They're really? probably also anti-vaxxers. And uh, I think there's a sort of famous, I don't know if it still says it, but their, their website or some publication would say, uh, we, uh, the, the largest flat earther group around the world or something like that. So it's basically <laughs> in their own literature, they were using a globe reference and then they were saying they're flat earth. So yeah, I think people who want to ignore science and math because maybe they didn't learn it in school, perhaps. So that's a that's probably the core of this whole problem is education. But uh, you know, that the, there is really no excuse for uh, endangering yourself and others. And now we're starting to see more and more anecdotes of uh, you know, oh GOP or right wing or whoever uh, radio host, TV personality backtracking now that they got sick they're changing their tune all that that's all coming out now because they're trying to convince people but you know what are you gonna do like hey your house is on fire we have a whole bunch of water here no no i don't trust that water that water is probably uh impotable <laughs> i don't want to i'm not gonna use it to, i'm just gonna let the fire burn everything will be fine mm -hmm. okay well if your fire catches 12 other houses on fire also then you should have used the water so that's a similar argument i mean it's a public health issue and the vaccines work. So that's it. Mm -hmm. So do you think from what you've read and boy, you read more than I do, there's going to be a third uh, shot that's necessary to keep the variant um, in control? Well, first of all, there's, <clears throat> there's not just one variant. There's, there are three that have Greek letters, Delta, Lambda, and, uh, gamma, I think it was, but, uh, there could always be more variants, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, you know, we'll have to see that the, uh, FDA has said, don't make any announcements about additional booster shots or whatever. Cause we haven't reached that point yet. Cause they have to do emergency use authorization for any such boosters. And the argument people make is that the MRNA viruses, um, MRNA vaccines for these current viruses are experimental. So they're unsafe. <clears throat> the problem with that is it, <clears throat> man. Yeah, uh, we got to find something to uh, solve your allergy yeah, problem. <clears throat> we aren't <throat> looking. So um, the mRNA vaccines were in development for years. So it's a virus uh, treatment. Uh, it's a vaccination platform, so to speak. So you take the mRNA platform and you tune it to the the RNA that you're targeting. So when, oh, this is experimental and it's still EUA and it's not been approved and it's dangerous now. Well, some of those things are true, but <clears throat> as a platform, it's like self-driving cars, right? Yeah, self-driving cars are not perfect, but they're still in use and people are trying them and testing them and all that. And so that's that's just a fact of life. So in this case, though, the, the mRNA vaccine platforms have been developed for years since 
since before SARS one, which was um, which was nine uh, two thousand two thousand five, give or take, I think okay. SARS and MERS. So mRNA vaccines platforms have been in development since around then, I think, because they started developing them around then, if I remember correctly. So yeah, these are not new. They are, well, most things are experimental, but. <laughs> and uh, don't mistake a, a bad injection for the vaccine problem, for what example. What are you saying? I know your arm hurts, but that was not the vaccine. That was somebody who- Are you reading my mind now? No, but no, I know- it wasn't that, the vaccine. I, I admit that. It was the person who gave the vaccine. Um, but I'm not blaming the vaccine itself on the problem I'm having with my arm. Right. But a lot of people do. And then there's that VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, I think it was, where you track vaccine uh, <clears throat> reaction. I think mm -hmm. the CDC is running that. So they're, they're trying to keep track of people who have issues after. And then people will pull numbers from those. And it said, uh, 16,000 people died of uh, after the vaccination. And then- Oh, wait, they corrected it because now it's back down to 8,000 or 6,000, whatever it was. And the problem with that is those are all self-reported and they need to be investigated on. So, so people are, are cherry-picking data that supports their cause, right? Uh, 16,000 people died. Of, oh, hey, so-and-so took the vaccine and then died the next day uh, in a car accident. Well, well, it doesn't matter. He took the vaccine and he died. The next, you know, that kind of stuff, it gets a little yeah. fuzzy. And so unless you're very specific, you really can't make scientific assessments about the health and well-being of people getting vaccinated if you are free to take any data you want and make your case. And if, I made the mistake of going on, uh, following a couple of, not following, uh, just I skimmed over them. I didn't follow them. But I, I skimmed over a couple of accounts on Twitter of people who are, you know, anti-vax conspiracy theorists. Mm -hmm. Some pretty crazy, very creative, fuzzy math. If you, fuzzy math, if you want to throw back to the good old days of Al Gore. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, all kinds of, um, you know, my, uh, some doctor, I think Dr. Fleming or something, he said more people die from the vaccine than from the virus. Like, how does that make sense? It does not. Well, I noticed that they dig people up from a hole somewhere and they'll quote these people. I was just reading where this guy, Andy Slavit, he was the senior advisor to the Biden administration for Corona response team. His background is that he's got a master's in business. Where does he come off doing this? Right. He recommended in May that you don't have to wear a mask. So anybody and anybody can become or say that they're the expert and people will listen. Right. Well, yeah, they, they want to hear what they want to hear. So they, oh, he's, he's uh, confirming my misconceptions. So I'm going to listen to that guy. So it's unfortunate. <clears throat> all the science is there. If you if you, you know, just read a little bit about cases and and hospitalizations, all that it, it so, correlates so is, pretty closely. What does Doctor Daniel Griffin of um, This Week in Virology say? This week, he is he has children of his own, and he's very concerned about uh, more and more children, adolescent, you know, twelve and under, <clears throat> are getting um, are catching some some variant and um they really didn't do any research yet so they're starting to on long haul for kids so they get the virus and they you know they suffer covid symptoms and and all the effects and maybe they quote unquote recover except that the long haul effects they're like oh three months out they're still suffering from the after effects right the inability to to really return to normal function, like yeah, energy levels and, and cognition and all that. So that's not good for children. It's not good for anybody. So, yes. but the no, the the mis the vastly mistaken notion that oh, kids don't get it. You know, I've heard people repeating that. I've heard people that claim to be, you know, truth telling news talking head people, and they they've come up with the most ridiculous, moronic, and even dangerous. Um, notions because they think they've understood it. I don't understand everything. I'm not a, I'm not, a, I'm neither a virologist nor an entom, uh, epidemiologist nor an immunologist. 
So I read this stuff and I make my assessments for myself. I certainly wouldn't tell people, oh yeah, send your kids to school. I would say, you know, err on the side of caution unless you completely understand the risks that you're taking. So the science it backs up the math and the math shows that the numbers go up when you're not vaccinated and, you know, it's better to not get it than to get it. The, the lingering effects of immunity after you've actually been infected don't go on for, for years. They might go on for months. So getting vaccinated, even if you've had it and recovered, still a good idea. Things like that. Uh -huh. And these are things that you can just read. So don't listen. Don't take my word for it. Don't absolutely. I'm not any of those things, but I was vaccinated. You were vaccinated. Yeah. I, before anybody comes into my house, I ask them if they've been vaccinated. And uh, of course, I didn't say, well, let me see uh, the piece of paper that proves that you were vaccinated. But for the most part, not that many people come into our house. Um, but I'm trying to be very cautious. And so I pull the mask out again. So I've been going to the food stores with the mask. Uh, I've noticed that most of the people don't wear a mask. The people who are working at the store do wear masks. Um, older women and men are wearing masks. So I guess it's, it's your choice. I just don't want to be around and have somebody cough on me. So, so uh, wearing masks should be treated like smoking, really, when you think about it. <clears throat> you know, like Nancy doesn't smoke. Yay. So if somebody comes in your home and wants to light up and you're like, wait a minute but that's like masking, right? Like mm -hmm. you not wearing a mask or not smoking is fine, but it's somebody else doing it that it could still affect you. So <clears throat> that's where there's this disconnect and there's no, there's just no education that's going to work at this point. Uh, so Michael Smirkanish on CNN did his little editorial and he's like, don't punish the vaccinated requiring people to wear masks. And, yeah. Come on. I got, I have a box of, uh, it's probably got about 80 masks left right near me right now. I can, I can wear them all day. That doesn't hurt me in any way. So for having having people that uh, are up in our, oh, I'm an American. I shouldn't have to wear a mask. Come on. Get the hell out of it. You wear a seatbelt in your car? Have you noticed that there are people who are doing the news out in the field and nobody's around? So they're doing it like sports uh, uh, at arenas. And you'll see the arena in the back of them. You'll see all the people. But they're on camera. Their cameraman is probably 10, 12 feet away and they're wearing a mask and they've got their microphone in front of their mask. And I have no clue what they're talking about. I mean, I think th those people are taking it overboard. Pull your mask down, talk into your microphone. And then when you walk around, put your mask back on. But Unfortunately, those are the arguments people make for, oh, I, I can't, people can't hear me. So I take my mask off when I have to sneeze, when I have to talk to people. That, that's when you're supposed to wear the mask. And they sneeze. That's what the mask is doing. I, oh, no. But I just gave you the scenario where there's nobody around them because everybody Speak is- more loudly. Speak they, loudly into the microphone. That's what you do. Don't take your mask off. That's, that undoes the, that, the whole point of masks. If, if you're on TV and you, oh, you can't hear me because I have my mask on, so I'm going to take it off. Well, that's why people are in a room with, oh, you can't hear me? All right, let me take my mask off so you can hear me. Well, that's, you're undoing the whole reason to have it. So that's just theater at that point. Okay. I, wear, I have my mask on all the time when I talk to people. That's fine. Well, talk do you have your mask on now? I'm inside my home. There's right. No there people are people who drive in their car by themselves and they're wearing their mask. That doesn't make sense. Do you know sense. for a fact? Do you know for a fact that they aren't going to go pick up or just dropped off children? Maybe they're an Uber or a Lyft driver, so they'll have other people in the car. You know, when you're when you're in a closed space like that, remember uh, <clears throat> transmissibility is affected by what are the factors? Volume, time, and space. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Prevalence. So. If you don't know if you're infected and you're in a closed space for a long period of time, the likelihood that there will be droplets in the air goes up. So wearing a mask on your car, first of all, it's none of nobody's business outside the car. Who cares what they think? And second, if you would like to protect others who might be getting into the car or who were just in the car, that's fine too. But it's when people start judging, oh, you're wearing your mask? Pfft. Yeah, I am. I haven't infected anybody and I'm not sick. So there you go. So what, about, I, what about walking your dog outside? 
if you're going to walk in a group of people, mask. If you're going to be just walking on the sidewalk and you walk by someone, not an issue. Do you think your dog should have a mask? Uh, I think there's been one case that there was suspicious. It was in the UK. (laughs) Yeah. But whenever it's one case out of millions, you got to wonder about how that was measured. So if there was an outbreak of dog coronavirus jumping for zoonotic zoonotic transfer from humans to dogs, that would be a problem. Probably not. Hmm. So do we have anything else to talk about, Dan? You'd be a great yeah. candidate for point counterpoint. You've got a good argument for everything I say. Well, I mean, it, it's it, it's just because I've I've read the science and the literature, and I don't listen to talking heads because both. Well, and I give you credit for that. If it's, but it doesn't yeah. even matter if it's right or left. People people who are trying to make these common sense arguments. Well, common sense is not science. Common sense is gut feeling, and that's inappropriate. So, people would listen to the science. Say, hey, you know what? Wear a mask, avoid people, just follow the same rules we were following before. And that's where the numbers went down. I posted a picture on Twitter, um, July of 2020, July of 2021, Southern Nevada, or actually I think it's all of Nevada, case positivity rates, the graphs look identical. Hmm. That's with and without vaccination, right? We have 46% vaccination, fully vaccinated, uh, fully vaccinated rate in uh, the Las Vegas, you know, Clark County. So why are those? No, why are they looking identical? That's a problem, and people are just going, ah, whatever. I, I'm not going to worry about it. It's so dumb. Masks are so dumb. <laughs> or they'll use those graphs to show, like, oh, it doesn't even matter if you wear a mask. See, but you're saying that without wearing. So, so the people that are avoiding wearing masks are probably the same ones that are on that graph. Hmm. So anyway, yeah, do your own research and. Uh, take stuff seriously and then we don't have to uh wonder how why why are we still having a pandemic in 2024 yeah i'm wondering if it's going to go that long there's always going to be something whether it's the flu season or this pandemic the variants there's always something i guess just protect yourself the best way you can if in my opinion this is my just watching the numbers um, May 14th, Nevada lifted the mitigation measures according to the CDC guidelines, 80% capacity, all this. And then they, they transferred control per county. So your county health department would decide policy. And June 1st, Clark County lifted, uh, or maybe it was June 1st, they transferred it control. Anyway, so June 1st was 100% capacity, no mask mitigation or measurements requirements, you know, no six feet, no whatever. You know, free for all. Vegas is back, baby. And on May 17th, I said, okay, let's see where we are in 45 days. And we're at 3.5% test positivity in uh, Clark County. And by June, I'm sorry, July uh, 1st, we were up over 10%. And now we're at 14%. And after 4th of July, so you add 45 days again. So middle of August, what would that be like? Uh, uh, August 18th and August 17th, by the way, is when the Clark County Commission will meet again to reassess their flailing efforts to do anything because they were totally useless. Uh, but yeah, May, our August 17th will be 45 days since July 4th. And 45 days is when you see the full impact of any sort of mitigation measure change. So Las Vegas has been enjoying you know, big crowds, maskless, big events. Fourth of July, casinos, opening, concerts, trade shows. I'm sure we'll pay for it. So it's uh, the old follow the money, right? Follow the money. Or on May 14th when they said, hey, let's, let's, let's go to 80%, but let's continue social distancing and mask wearing, and we'll, um, we'll ease into it. If we can go 45 days and keep the, the test positivity under 5%, then we'll know it's working and then we'll, we'll ease out of this. But instead they just want to put their foot back on the gas, go a hundred percent. And we, uh, you know, hotspot. Yeah. So it's very frustrating. Uh, I know we talk about this too much, but it affects everybody in some way. Yeah. Arizona's cases are going up. Deaths are going up. 
um, but they, I don't hear about that on the news too much anymore. Again, follow the yeah, money they don't want to talk about it. where the media is. Yeah. So the media controls what they want us to hear or know. Um, and that would ruin things like, uh, you know, big events. Arizona has uh, sports events. Yeah. Matter of fact, the Suns were in the playoffs. I didn't see anybody in the stands wearing a mask. And that was last uh, week. By the way, they lost. Sorry about that. Uh -huh. But there's always next year. Um, but the cases have gone up. So they said that the cases are up where they were in February, March. So they're not going to probably do anything until they shoot up um, where they were. I'm trying to look at this date. Uh, December of... Uh, 2020 was the peak so i guess they'll say well it's not as bad as december of 2020 so we're still okay but there were i think 1300 new cases this week i can't remember and of course i can't go by the stats that i'm reading because uh, they don't really give you the whole picture so and you're right we do talk about this too much it's yeah. um, it's an ongoing subject, and there's there doesn't seem to be any uh, end in sight. I am gonna say, hopefully there will be one of these days, and we'll live to talk about it. You can tell your grandchildren. Oh, rem I remember this. Oh, wait a minute. You, do you have any grandchildren? I, I probably right. won't have any children, much less grandchildren. So. Yeah, unless you adopt. Um, the, yeah, the only, I mean, the, I guess the, the, it's a topic of discussion just because it's still a topic of discussion because unbelievably, yeah. no, nobody has argued like, oh, if you have a cold, don't sneeze and wipe it on somebody's, uh, like, no, don't do all that because people understand that a cold, which is much less severe, of course, uh, which is also a coronavirus, by the way, or a rhinovirus, there's two different ones. So people don't even question, but for this, they're like, oh, do I have to wear a mask? Nah, it doesn't matter. Just even though they're not the same, they're different results. But pretend you have the cold. Just don't, you know, stay, avoid people. Don't breathe on people. Yeah. Why? Why has this become such a national? You know, if you if you had the flu and you went to work and you were sneezing and coughing on people, they'd be like, go home. But if you have coronavirus, so like I don't want you want to know your test results. Don't get vaccinated. We don't well, want to. Even if you don't have the flu symptoms, have you ever seen people who sneeze and they just let their droplets go all over the, you know, their surroundings? They don't sure. cover their mouth. There's articles about this telling people these stupid people who don't know when you sneeze, cover your mouth, or sneeze into your elbow. Yep. But there are people who have to be told. Yeah. Those are the stupid people. I um I was on a bus, public transit, by myself, and I still had my mask on. Why? There's nobody else. Because <laughs> it's so simple. Just do it. Put the mask on. Mm. Keep a distance. I, I was working with a guy and we went out to lunch. This isn't recently. And I watched him as he sneezed in his hand and then took a fortune cookie because it was a Chinese restaurant and gave it to me. And I said, no, thanks. I yeah, mean, that's what's the bar wrong peanut. with some people? Yeah, yeah. The, the bowl of peanuts at a bar. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I'm not even going to, who knows what hands have been in that thing. Yeah, really? Um, hey, by the way, you're, you, there've been a several instances where you've fuzzed out a little bit, like your connection is slow or... Yep, Something. and on your side too. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, we'll just talk quickly about the platform that we're using. Uh, we decided that we had some problems with Cast and with Zencaster, and uh, we ended up in the Zoom room. It may not be perfect, but right now that's what we're using. So if we have some uh, up and downs on our voices and we're not that clear, we can blame Zoom until we find something better. Yep. So we also have our newsletter for the show notes. So hugoflossco.substack.com if you have not already and you are interested in following each individual show and you want to get an email or you can just visit the that, that website, hugoflossco.substack.com. And you can see all of our show notes from previous episodes. 
you can subscribe on anchor all that's in each show note newsletter where to link where to where to subscribe and you should tell your friends mm, and you can and forward those emails all day what about all those other podcasts that you do i also do uh quaggling sand which is um my my own term for pins and needles or the return of circulation to a, a, a limb that you've been sitting on or has been otherwise <laughs> limited circulation. So quaggling sand is uh, just random stuff, mostly uh, because I don't have any guests. Uh, that's uh, by design. No, not at all, because people are too busy. But it's just to talk about projects, things, what, what's going on. Um, my initial idea was to talk about like doing weekly sprints, which are still a good idea, but Every time you say, okay, starting Monday, I'm going to spend all week. Oh, I have to find a new place to live. When things like that happen, <laughs> it really throws a wrench. <clears throat> but yeah, quaggling sand, just about stuff we're working on, projects, a lot of nerdy stuff. And then FFS talk is um, more topic focused. Uh, talk, I've talked about sharing. I think the last show I did was uh, last week, sharing good data when people start sharing stuff that's been unproven and wrong and how fast it moves around and how we can try to change that. So the FFS talk podcast is about what works, what doesn't, and what we can do about it. And there again, just me so far, but someday guests. Mm -hmm. Well, and then I'll just uh, throw in my podcast, home design chat with Nancy. And that's all about home design, obviously. And we talk about everything having to do with your home. This, uh, I usually publish on Wednesdays and this coming Wednesday, I will publish a podcast that I did with Jay Lipman, uh, all about swimming pools, what you should know before you have a swimming pool installed in your backyard or front yard, wherever. And uh, Jay has some really interesting background. He is an expert diver in his younger days and he was going to go to the 1980 olympics but jimmy carter decided that we weren't going to moscow so jay missed his turn on that but he's got a whole wall of uh, medals and certificates and whatever uh at, at that year he was swimming with uh greg luganus by the way so jay is very knowledgeable on swimming pools and i suggest that you listen to that one home design chat with nancy wasn't Greg Luganis a diver? Yeah. Well, so was Jay. He wasn't a swimmer. Oh, he's a he's, diver. Yeah. He swims. Yeah. Uh, Jay is a diver and he won state champ. And he was also uh, the coach for two people who uh, were going for the gold um, at past Olympics. So right now he sells swimming pools. And who better to know about swimming pools than a person who has been swimming and diving his whole life. He said he started when he was, I believe, four years old. Uh, anyway, I also have an online magazine called Design, um, sorry about that, designerscirclehq.com. And that was uh, for the design community, but now anybody can go in there as a website, designers with an S, circlehq.com. And that's where both podcasts, this one and Home Design Chat with Nancy is on, plus um, products, all about products for your home. So that's it. I think we covered everything, Dan. I think so. Now, so, if you uh, want to know more about Dan, you can email him at dan at hugofloss.co as well as nancy at hugofloss.co if you have any questions about me. So I think or you can be a guest it. on our show. Also, you can send yeah. an email to join J O I N as in join the show. And you yeah. can uh, talk about whatever you want to talk about. And, and I will probably argue with you in some way. <laughs> yeah. So I, I keep thinking, uh, you know, I keep putting it out there that people could be a guest if they have been talking for their whole life. Now, most people I know have been talking for their whole life. And they usually are an expert or have an opinion on something. But when it comes to talking on a podcast, I think a lot of them freeze. Uh, they're so afraid to say something wrong or uh, to maybe go blank. Well, that's not a problem because Dan and I do that all the time. <laughs> right? Yep. So, 
So as much as uh, we would, uh, we do enjoy talking to each other, we would also enjoy having guests. So on that note, Dan, I hope uh, you have a great week. I hope nothing in my house breaks and I hope uh, everything works in your house as well. We'll see. For at least another uh, five weeks and then I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. But in six, the meantime, six weeks, I'm whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking forward to seeing you. So I hope everybody has a great week and stay safe. And as we always say, wear a mask if, if uh, the need arises. Right. Or if it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Dan. Bye, Nancy.